1: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. The one thing that I am most proud about, um,
2: about my business, you know, I do the Shaletta show here on CCO on Saturdays from 11 to 2. Um, but my full time job is being the CEO of Shaletta makes dot com, a podcasting platform and production company that provides culturally competent content. And, you know, black thought leaders from across the Twin Cities have shows on my network. Dr. Verna Price and Coach Shay Sandifer. Um and, and, and the thing that I'm most proud of is that three of the shows on the show are hosted by mental health professionals like Anissa Keys with Aruba Emotional Health and Lambert Fisher, a marriage and family therapist and a trainer. And um, Brandon Jones is just one of those folks uh, who is a mental health professional who hosts a show on my network. And in particular... Um, I asked Brandon to be on this show because Brandon has the only uh, podcast that I know of based in the Twin Cities, and I'm in this podcasting community. So if I'm wrong, I need somebody to call and let me know. That is dedicated to teen mental health. Brandon's award-winning podcast, very popular, is called It's Not Your Fault. And every single week, Brandon does shows to help teens with their mental health. And Brandon is just young enough and hip enough that he does it in such a way that he speaks the language. And he talks about TikTok and Instagram. And he knows what all of those initials are that the kids are texting us that we don't really know about. And so um, when this uh, horrible stabbing happened at Harding High School, I called Brandon. And and I'm sorry for bothering Brandon um, yesterday, but I just had to get his perspective, his knowledge, his expertise, because he has his hand and his head and his heart with these teenagers in our community. Because every week he's doing these shows. To help our kids cope with challenges that they face every day. And Anissa Keys was on earlier in the 11 o'clock hour. If you haven't heard it, go back and listen to it. Talking about how these kids don't have enough brain matter to deal with the adult situations that they're coping with. Lambert Fisher in the noon hour talked about how the sense of safety in school is lost. And now Brandon Jones from Jagman is here. And I just can't thank you enough, Brandon. I'm sorry for bothering you like I did yesterday, but you were the only person that I felt like I could call who has a finger on the pulse of teens and their mental health and what they're going through. And when something like this happens, um, I know that you were trying to you were trying to 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 deal with your clients that were already on the books and folks like me who were calling for your expertise and perspective so that we can move as adults in such a way that would add value to the situation and not um, be a distraction to the the, the people who are involved in and, and impacted. Brandon, when you heard about the stabbing at Harding High School, that a 16-year-old kid is arrested for doing it, um, mm-hmm. a, that is the allegation, and that a 15-year-old boy is now dead, what's yeah. the first thing um, that comes to mind? How do you begin the process of speaking to the thousands of teenagers right here in Minnesota who listening to your show who are looking for your advice?
3: Yeah, the, the, greetings everyone and, and thank you for inviting me on and no problem with bothering me. Unfortunately, this is why I do the work that I do is to help folks when these types of situations happen. It's just unfortunate that they happen too often. So when I, when I heard about it, I, my heart sank because I was like, man, here we go again. And at the time, I didn't know that the young man passed. Um, I, I yeah. found that out later on in the day. So that, yeah. that just was like another blow. And I know that that's another blow for many of the, the youth that are connected to this young men go to school with him. Um, they may know him just from the community, or maybe they just connect online, and now this young person is gone, and, and, you know, my heart goes out to their family as well. And earlier, we played an audio from one of the students at Hardin High School when she said, "This is you know, the lockdowns at my school are normal. Like, we go through about two or three of these a week, and that's what we're dealing with. Lambert's talked about it in the last hour. He talked about the sense of safety being gone. That's what we're dealing with. So for me, that's where my work starts, is how do we rebuild that sense of safety, not just for the young people that go to the school, but also the staff, so everybody has an opportunity to have a great learning environment and a great time during their high school years. You should not be going through high school in fear that you may lose your life or that you may be attacked or some harm may be done. But unfortunately, for so many youth, especially in urban public schools, feel that at any given time their life can be taken from them. And this is another sad example of that.
2: What will be, and I know you are crafting your podcast right now um, for folks uh, who are just tuning in. We're talking to Brandon Jones. He is the host of the award-winning podcast. It's not your fault. It's a teen mental health podcast based right here in the twin cities. Um, he has thousands of young people, listening to his show um every week uh and you know just to be honest a lot of parents eavesdropping on a conversation um because we want to be able to relate to our kids brandon um in a way that is authentic and so we look to you for advice uh for practical uh, information that you provide each and every week on this show um when you begin to uh get ready to do your podcast to sit down Yes. And talk to the kids who are listening to you, who are watching your show. What are you going to tell them?
3: Yeah. Um, I, I, what I came down to was six tips to talk about for today's podcast. And I'm glad that I I, had, I waited to talk about it because I was able to connect with a few different parents and, and ask them, what are your kids asking? What do they need? What do you feel like they need? Um, I even talked to a few people who worked at Harding High School, what do you need? What What are the kids saying? What's happening based on your students? And one thing that's very clear, and I want to share this, and I'm going to share this on the podcast as well, there's no perfect answer for healing. But the, but the, what needs to be done is an attempt and understand that it's a journey and your healing process looks different than someone else's. So there's no, there's no you know, ABC solution. But there are things that you can try and to do to feel better. I would not recommend that you don't do anything. So these are six tips. And again, you can try all six of these or a combination, whatever fits for you or what you need is what's important. So the first tip very quickly is to talk about your feelings. Don't sit alone and isolated and keep it balled in. Verbally talk about it. Uh, feel free to share your emotions and how you feel on whatever favorite social media platform you use. So I know that's a great outlet for young people. Uh, attention yeah. to your friends. Do something, say something, don't sit in silence. Uh, And if it takes you time to get your words together, that's fine, but express yourself. That's one of the best things you can do when you hold it in, that pain just festers. And if something else happens, it just compounds. So don't sit and not say anything. Number two, reach out for support. It's kind of connected to number one, family, friends, caregivers, Mm -hmm. adults, whomever, talk to somebody. Don't just, again, don't do it by yourself. Feel free to connect, and really, one of the people that I would love for those students that are hired in high school to connect with is their friends. Don't just share jokes and memes and videos and things about what took place. Talk about how it impacted you and what your plans are moving forward.
2: Hold on, Remember? Brandon. Hold on, because I wanna, I wanna, I wanna dive into that because okay, we as parents. We want to get serious about this discussion, and our kids um, want to use laughter to create levity for the situation. We're going to ask Brandon Jones um, how to make sure that our kids have healthy conversations about this horrific event when we come back. It one twenty. You are listening to The Shaletta Show on News Talk 830 WCCO Radio. We are continuing our discussion with Brandon Jones, host of the Teen Mental Health Podcast based right here in the Twin Cities, It's Not Your Fault. Brandon, I thank you so much for the work that you've been doing over the past 24 hours to help our teens cope and provide tips for them after the Harding High School stabbing one 16-year-old boy is in custody. A sixteen, a fifteen-year-old boy, um, has died. And Brandon, you know, the, you were giving us tips. Um, you were on number two, and you talked about, um, you know, making sure that you know our teens, our kids, who are um, dealing with this traumatic event, are able to share more than just a meme or video or a joke, um, but how they're really feeling. You know, that is so hard for them to do, Brandon, and I see it with my kid, my 16-year-old. He'd rather laugh at away way and create levity than really get into it and, and begin to deal with it. As a parent, how do you encourage that?
3: I, I think you have to just be willing to um, accept where they're at. You know, that levity is important because, you know, humor is a part of healing, and, and there should be space and place for that but also letting the young person in your life know it's okay if you have a breakdown and if you need time to really, you know, conceptualize what has happened and think about what has gone on and just let me know when you're ready to talk that I'm here. I think that's one of the biggest things that parents and caregivers can do, is let them know that their presence is there and that they have a welcoming presence for when their youth wants to connect. So they're going to pick and choose. They're young people. They're going to pick and choose their times and their spots. And you just have to be ready to support them when they do.
2: All right. Number three, you got six good Number tips. Three. I'm sorry. I didn't mean I didn't mean to steal your whole podcast, but we just gonna do that today <laughs> because right. you it. know okay. <laughs> I, I know you wanted to save it for your podcast. I'm I'm sorry, but we, we gotta give it away because you know, I'm 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 getting DMs and messages from parents right now, Brandon, and honestly, we are all just in tears and I'm trying to hold myself together who yep. are saying thank you. Because when we see these memes and these jokes, we're thinking, oh, my God, how dare you? You know, yeah. this is not appropriate. You should not be doing this. Delete this. Give me this phone. I, you, you know what? From now on, you're going to pay your own cell phone bill because I'm not paying for this foolishness. I, I'm, you know, I'm telling you what the conversation is because that's me right Absolutely. now. And, and what you're telling me is they need this space to be able to express themselves however they feel um, it is best and authentic for them.
3: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and number three is, is about that, right? It's taking care of yourself by trying to maintain your regular routine. When something drastic oh. happens, when something like this happens, you're foggy, you're disoriented. Um, the school closed, right? We don't know when they're going to yes, open. Yes, they back have the no building. idea. It's going to be strange going back into that building and it's going to be really hard to maintain the regular routines, but still get up Still go to work for those young people who work or volunteer uh, or play sports. Still do those activities if you can. Make sure you're eating your meals. Make sure you're grooming and taking care of your bodies. Make sure you're, you're getting as much rest as you can. Uh, and if you and, if, uh, and for some of those young people who need exercise, make sure you're doing that too. Try to stick to your routine as possible. It's very easy to be thrown off with an event uh, that's as catastrophic as this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Number four, and this is a big one, and this looks different for different people, but celebrate the life of the person who passed away Um, and figure out how to do that. You might not have known the young man. You may have been good friends. You may have been dating him. We don't know. But whatever you can do to celebrate that memory, um, the stories, figure out the best way for yourself. It may be drawing a picture. It may be watching the video and reposting it saying, you know, we miss you. Uh, You know, it may be, you know, buying a teddy bear and and sending it to their family. There's a lot of different things that you can do. But figure out a way to memorialize the life that was passed, unfortunately. And then I would say with that, these all kind of connect with number five, is just find healthy ways to cope, right? Create that memorial. Uh, Volunteer. Okay. Family, some cookies. Journal. Okay. Okay.
2: Okay. Okay. All
3: right. Okay.
2: All right. What's number six? I'm taking notes. I'm sorry.
3: No worries. And if you if you if you're taking notes and this is going too quick for you, just go over to our Facebook group. Uh, it is not your fault. The podcast I have posted these tips on that on the podcast on the podcast Facebook group as well. The last the last one is, and this is my bias, but you know, seek professional help. It I understand right now it is a very busy time for a lot of professionals. But if you keep seeking, and keep trying to connect with people, you will find someone. So find whether that's a school counselor a psychologist, a therapist, or some other mental health professional. It could also be a pastor and a spiritual leader. Seek out that help. Don't be afraid to talk talk to someone who deals with these kind of things on a consistent basis because those people are there to hear you from a non judgmental place and space and usually can give you some type of guidance and direction to help you on your healing journey.
2: All right. So where do
3: we get started?
2: How can we find you? Um, I want to make sure. Um, especially for um, the teens out there, their parents, um, how can they connect with you at Jackna? Because um, you're providing resources and information that Mm -hmm. folks are waiting to get in an appointment and that they're paying for. You're giving it to us for free um, here on this show and every week on your podcast. How, How can folks connect with you?
3: Absolutely. There's three places you can find me, so it shouldn't be too hard. First, you can check me out at my own website, jegna.org. That's J-E-G-N-A.org. Also, you can find me at shallettamakesmelaff.com. And you can find uh, tips and resources at my nonprofit organization, Minnesota Association for Children's Mental Health. All uh, you, you have to type in is macmh.org. We have free downloads for almost any mental health struggle that you uh, or your children may be dealing with with great tips uh, and access to other information and places that you can go to get help.
2: And I want to say that show is not your fault. Your podcast is free. It's on Apple, Stitcher, Google, Spotify, YouTube, um, wherever you get your podcast. If you are not subscribed to Brandon's weekly show, if your kids are not signed up, um, i would suggest that because Brenda what you are doing uh is destigmatizing um Absolutely. mental health um because for some reason a lot of us think that if you're going to get mental health then you're weak then you can't cope and that's not the case is it
3: no that is not the case it actually makes you stronger when you actually address the things that bring they kind of keep you down
2: and you know, we we start talking about um, addressing things. And that's that's difficult to do, but, Brandon, we, we are seeing right now what happens when we leave things unresolved, when we don't give Absolutely. our kids some coping skills, as parents, when we don't learn how to de-escalate situations. Anissa Keys was talking about, you know, how to help our kids regulate. Hell, how am I going to yeah. help my child regulate, Brandon, when I don't know that how is, to do yeah. it? <laughs> <Exactly. That's laughs> so, Brandon... Yeah, for people who have never gone to therapy. Don't even know yeah. anybody yeah. who is a therapist. You know, I, I'm just so proud that at makes me We have three licensed professional uh, therapists, uh, mental health professionals. But 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 for folks who are searching, what do they do? Nobody wants to go to Google to look
3: up a therapist.
2: How <laughs> do we even get started for our kids, Brandon? Yeah, well
3: well honestly, one of the ways that people connect with a therapist uh, young people get connected to connect therapists is actually through school. That's one of the number one ways they do. Okay. But if that's not an option at the moment because I'm sure there's there's overload right now uh, at Hardy mm-hmm. specifically. Um specifically. I would say that uh, you can, Google will be your friend. They, they will actually connect you to therapists that are closest to your home. I always tell people start close to home and find someone okay. not too far because travel is one of the barriers that prevents people from actually getting the help. Another one is insurance. But I was always saying, start mm. close to home, and then from there, when you connect with one place that has therapists, if your insurance is not taken there or if they're full, they're, they're actually there's their duty, there's an oath that we swear as mental health professionals is to find someone else for you to assist you and find another place. So they should be able to do that to get you connected so you, that you can get in and see someone as quickly as possible. I will say this one last thing, too. Don't give up. When you're looking for therapists, it can be frustrating because right now it's a high demand time. Keep asking. Keep asking to be referred to other people. You will get connected to someone. And also, when you are connected, if you feel like the therapy is not working for you, do not be afraid to fire your therapist. I tell my clients that myself. Listen, if I'm not a good fit for you, you can say, Brandon, is not working, and it is my oath that I swore, and it's my duty to find a good fit for you. Because it's about your healing. It's not about my practice.
2: All right. Give me that information on how people can find you again. uh, Jegna.org.
3: J-E-G-N-A.org. Absolutely. Okay.
2: J-E-G-N-A.org. Okay. It's popped up. It's an easy find and a fit. Um, and you've got lots of resources and information there. Brandon Jones, thank you so much for taking the time. I know you got to go. There are kids waiting on you to do this podcast. Um, and, and parents are pulling at you. Professionals are pulling at you. I'm pulling at you. Um, but I appreciate you letting me pick your brain so you can help me and my listeners um, as all of us, as this entire community deals with the loss of the student. Thank you so much for being on the show.
3: Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Take care, everyone.
2: All right. It's 131. Y'all stick around.
0: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
2: Now, y'all know last Friday on February 3rd, I was at the legislature. Legislature. Um, I was in the Capitol at the Rotunda with 250 African-American business owners for Black Entrepreneurs Day at the Capitol. And we had so many concerns about access, not just to uh, financial capital, but social capital and infrastructure. We talked to legislators, including Governor Tim Walz, Lieutenant Governor Peggy Flanagan, former legislators like Carla Dietzik, um lobbyists and advocates like Brian McDaniel with Hilden Advocacy and Law. So many people were there. But our issue is not the only one. That concerns me. I've got um, three children with autism. And so um, I am always um, making sure that I am in the know and educated about policy and procedures, um, about legislation that is impacting my children. You know, I, I just remember after Philando Castile died, My son Andrew said, Mom, what is going to happen if Brandon and Daniel never talk? If they never say a word? How will police officers know that they have autism and that they just can't talk? I don't want anybody to shoot my brothers because they can't say what their name is or where they live or identify themselves. And so he um, got a call from Kerry Dietzik. And she created the autism officer training bill that was funded and officers across the state are provided training so they can understand and know um, how to interact with people who have autism, who may be nonverbal. And, you know, I, I don't know, I guess that was my first time ever realizing that legislation could have an impact, a direct impact on, on our family and on my special needs children. And, you know, that, that doesn't happen with just one person. That happens in partnership with groups of, of, of different people and organizations. And, you know, one of the first places that people told me about that I could trust to help me navigate things and get the resources and help and services for my kids who have autism, one of the first places that they told me to go was ACRA. ACRA Home Care. They said, you got to get over to ACRA. Um, get over there. They'll, they'll help you. Um, make sure you got what you need for your kids. And people are wondering, wow, how, your kids are doing so great. They're doing so much better. You know, I see them talking now, and Cameron was in a play a couple of weeks ago, and, you know, Daniel's singing and talking and doing math. You know, I, I really have the folks um, at ACRA, um to uh, thank for their part and their role to play. And, you know, when we start talking about that legislation and what is happening at the Capitol and funding um, you know, they are on the front lines for families like mine. Listen, if you got three kids with special needs, you can't be going up to the Capitol to the hearings. You have to count on somebody. And the beautiful thing about the people at Accra is that um, families like mine who have um, special needs children, We can count on them. And so I wanted to bring David Hancock's on the show. He is the chief administration officer. Dave, thank you so much for being here and for the work you do for families like mine. I don't know if anybody ever says thank you. I usually don't say thank you. I usually just say, hey, Dave, what you got for me? Hey, Dave, what's going on? (laughs) Hey, Dave, give me the scoop. And so I never really take the time to say thank you for the work that you were doing for our families.
4: Well, Shaletta, thank you for having me on today to talk about this important work. And, and, and I'm so glad to know that the services that you've received from ACRA have had such an incredibly positive impact on you and your family and your sons and, and the life that you strive to enjoy as a family. Um, you know, you mentioned a moment ago the, the importance of the legislative work and the work that ACRA does to provide in-home care for individuals with disabilities and older adults is so incredibly critical because it allows the individuals with disabilities themselves, the older adults, their family members, to lead very participatory lives in their communities. It allows them to be active participants in their communities, whether it be within the educational realm or whether it be employment or housing or just engaging in community activities. But the underlying point of that also, what allows us to bring those services to families like yours And to enable that kind of community participation is not just the delivery of the services that we provide, but it's the social justice fund foundation that underlines those services that we provide and other agencies provide. That social justice element is what is so very, very important to guarantee that those services continue to be available for families like yours And that requires us to be actively engaged in that legislative process.
2: And what does that look like? Because, you know, when people say, well, I don't want to get involved in politics, it's, you know, and what I tell families is, listen, ACRA's doing this work um, not because they are supporting one political party or another, but they're trying to make sure our kids have a better quality of life. How do I, and, and how do you, as we go out in community and engage with our parents, uh, help them to understand um, the work that you are doing on behalf of families like mine? Well,
4: uh, That's a fantastic question. And we actually do it in a couple of different ways. Number one, We certainly engage with other organizations like ours, other advocacy organizations, other trade associations that have similar interests to ours, like ARC Minnesota, like the Minnesota Coalition for Citizens with Disabilities, which is MNCCD, the Minnesota Home Care Association, the Minnesota First Provider Alliance, and other organizations like that. Awesome. You mentioned the police training at the top of your your, uh, comments here, and, you know, Awesome has been one of those organizations that has spearheaded that training with police officers. So Mm -hmm. one of the ways that we do this is by partnering with those other community organizations that we consider to be strong partners, but we also engage individually with legislators. So we're up at the Capitol. We're talking with individuals, uh, elected officials and their staff to make sure that they really understand the complexities of home care, the value that home care brings to individuals like your sons and your family. And also, what the alternatives would be if that home care didn't exist. You know, one of the fundamental underlying elements of this social justice approach to delivering home care is the prevention of out-of-home placements. Because, number mm. one, we know that out-of-home placements for children like yours or uh, other adults with disabilities, et cetera, that out-of-home placement is infinitely more expensive
2: Yes, it for is.
4: taxpayers. It is so much more expensive and it's so much more limiting because it takes away that ability for your sons, for other individuals with disabilities, for your family to have choice, to lead a self-directed life, to make those decisions about your life that you have every right to make. So we try to impress upon the legislators, the elected officials, their staff, the importance of home care in the the holistic quality of somebody's life. So we pursue that by engaging in individual conversations, providing them with information, facts, statistical information, et cetera. We testify in those legislative hearings. I spend a lot of time with families, and Mm -hmm. particularly parents of kids with disabilities, and I always tell them two things. Number one, I'm arrogant enough that on the day after the election, if my preferred candidate, doesn't matter what party it is, if my preferred candidate wins by one vote, that could be my vote. Mm. You know, so it's important to remember that. And I also tell people, I also tell parents and individuals with disabilities, remember, when you're in that legislative process and you're, you're facing your, that, those barriers and you're not getting the services that you need from your school district, your, your county social services program, et cetera, it's not because of the disability. It's about discrimination. Mm. That's the D. That's the D that is so important. Okay, And that's what we have to replace. We have to replace that, you know, that uh, incorrect, false information with factual information so that our lawmakers can make the responsible decisions.
2: Okay, see, you just said the D word. Now, I was going to let you go. I was going to say, have a great day. But now we have to have a discussion about the D word and how, um, you know, people discriminate against our kids, our adults who have special needs like autism and what ACRA is doing to prevent that. More with Dave when we come back. I'm telling you, as soon as this show is over, I'm going to 50th and France. I'm going to bring my purse so I can shop local because one of the winners of the High V Opportunity Summit, Sylvia Williams, is selling bags of soul grain. Uh, she won um, the Judge's Choice Award uh, earlier this week, and I tasted it while I was there just to get a sample, and I thought, oh, my God, I want to get more of this um it's a whole grain it's a great snack um and they have some amazing flavors the one i tried was sweet potato and i was like you know what if this she got some more of this, like in different flavors i need to pick this up not just for me but for my kids because we need to start eating more healthy plus i love supporting small local businesses they won't survive let alone thrive if we don't go out there and support them and so you know i had her on the show earlier uh if you have the uh, odyssey app go check it out and didn't even know she was having a pop-up shop today i just wanted to put a spotlight on her business and so um when this show is over i'm gonna head over to 50th in france so that i can buy some of those bags support her shake her hand and meet her singing husband stokely williams formerly of mint condition he is out there with her today Uh, selling those bags of soul grain. And and so I'm so excited for them. Congratulations um, to Sylvia and all the winners of the Hy-Vee Opportunity Pitch Summit. And, you know, um, ACRA is trying to make sure that people in the small business, um, people who have special needs, um, are winners. You know, they provide um, services to families like mine who have kids and adults with special needs. And, um, you know, one of the things that they do that I I didn't even know about um, until I talked today was legislation, working with legislators, going up to the Capitol, making sure they understand that our adults, our children are being discriminated against. And he said the D word. So I had to invite David Hancock to stick around for one more segment. He is a chief administration officer at ACRA. They are celebrating 30 years in our community um, here in the Twin Cities uh, of special needs. Children and adults are so much better because you are in it. Thank you so much for the work and you know, Dave, nobody wants to talk about discrimination. They don't want to address it. And, and ACRA is um, facing it head on and, and breaking down barriers and opening doors for our family. They have been closed to us for generations.
4: Hmm. Well, you know, and, and I think that I've been doing this a long time.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: And one of the things that I've come to realize is that sometimes This discrimination occurs out of ignorance because people there's a there's a a lot of individuals out there that have not had the privilege that you and I have had, Shaletta. And that privilege is having a, you know, a significant relationship in our lives with a person with a disability. In your case, it's your children. In my case, I have a brother with disabilities. I have two nieces with significant disabilities and it is a privilege. I use that word purposefully. It is a privilege because it gives us an insight into a quality of life that many other people just don't experience. And so part of it, when we work with legislators and and elected officials, we have to recognize the fact that many of them don't have the privilege that we've had, the exposure to that significant relationship with a person with a disability. So it becomes our job to educate them. About Mm -hmm. the value of those relationships, about the value of individuals with disabilities and what they bring as a community to our larger community, the contributions they make, etc. So it becomes, you know, uh, the job of family members, of people like myself and and like yourself and other individuals to take the time to spend with with legislators, to educate them. I always tell parents this is an evolution, not a revolution. We have to take the time to educate them because they simply don't know. They haven't mm-hmm. had the privilege. So by bringing that information to them, and, you know, the second part of it is I also genuinely believe that especially on disability-related issues, issues related to older adults, etc. I don't think legislators, no one wants to be on the wrong side of that. They right. want to do what's right. But, again, it becomes our job to educate to bring the stories to them, to, you know, folks like me who bring data and information and statistics, but folks like yourself and other family members who bring those personal stories, because that's what makes the impact. That's what drives decisions and creates relationships. We last summer hosted some in-home visits with legislators, with some of our customers, and I remember one one visit in particular with, unfortunately, the gentleman is now a former legislator, but he came to the home of one of our customers, and the, the client that we served there was a small child. He was four years old. Well, the legislator came with the intent of spending about a half an hour in the home, visiting with mm-hmm. the family and with his child. He stayed for over two hours because the wow. impact was that significant. Mm. So it's introducing legislators to not just testimony and storytelling in the Capitol, but it's bringing them into people's homes and letting them see how individuals live their lives and the value of services like personal care, attendant services, and other family supports, you know, like similar to what your family experienced. It's so important to let them see that firsthand and to experience that firsthand. Um, and several legislators have done that with us and they walked away with a completely different perspective.
2: Oh, well, I thank you. Here. Thank you so yeah. much for providing us with that. David Hancock, with ACRA chief administration officer. Uh, he joined us on the John Schuster Caldwell banker hotline. Just wanted to pass this to you as Linnea passed it to me. There's a candlelight vigil in support of the Harding high school community. Monday, February 13th at 6 p.m. You all mark it on your calendars, say a prayer, and meet me there for this candlelight vigil. Steve Thompson is up next. Have a good weekend.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive.